Well, good morning. Good to see you all. My name is uh, Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. And Jackie, I'm going to move this over, so I got it in front of me. <laughs> it's good to be together. Uh, how many of you still have turkey in your fridge at home? Anybody still got leftovers? Yeah, we have to get creative this time of year and figure out how to to dispose of all those leftovers that we have. But I hope you had a great Thanksgiving um, and uh, are excited about getting into the Christmas season. We had all of our, our kids home. So Brenna, August, Haven, we all were able to be together. And we had a great uh, couple days um, eating food and playing games and, and watching movies. It's just good to be together. I hope you had a, a place and a group to be with and uh, had some connection over this, this time. And, and we're heading into another season where you might be looking for that. So please let us know if you're, if you're like, I'm not sure where I connect or I'm looking for people to be with during these fun seasons. Lord, uh, just talk with us about that because we've got families that would love to host you and, and get to know you. Uh, but it's good to be together. Uh, when we're together as family, it seems like almost every time we're together, one of the kids wants to play hide and go seek. And they're like 21 and 19 and, and almost 16, but they still want to play hide and go seek. We didn't do it this last week, but we have almost other, all the other holidays when we're together. And uh, whenever we're playing hide-and-go-seek, um, I always have a hard time because I'm a little obsessive-compulsive. So when I'm like going through the house looking for places to hide, I'm also looking at like things I have to fix and places I got to clean. You know, like I haven't been in this basement room for a while and it's a mess. I got to get working in here. And my to-do list tends to expand when I'm playing hide-and-seek uh, with the kids. Um, and I get, I get a little... I get a little competitive, you know, with hide-and-seek, i got to be honest. Uh, I remember when the kids were, were younger, Haven was probably about five, and I was helping her hide as we were playing a game of hide-and-seek, and, you know, I wanted her to do well. And so uh, we had this little ottoman at the foot of our bed, you know, just enough for a couple blankets or something, small, pretty small, about kid-sized, you know, really tiny. And uh, so I was trying to get her to hide in there because um, they would never, you know, it's too small. They would never look in there. She wasn't so sure, but I found, I showed her how she, you know, I helped her get in there and press herself down inside that little box. And uh, before I shut the lid, you know, she looked up at me with those big kid eyes and was like, Dad, I'm free. I'm scared. This is a small space. And I just, you know, looked her dead in the eyes and said, do you want to win or not? And I closed the, <laughs> the lid of the ottoman, you know, this is, this is how the game is played. Yeah, I'm a pretty amazing parent most of the time. So, um, so we just love playing hide-and-seek. There's another version of hide-and-seek, kind of the adult version of hide-and-seek uh, that some of you may be playing, not the one you're maybe thinking of, but like one where uh, your spouse um, finds something of yours that's been left out and, and they put it away for you. And you, know, like you don't know where that place is. Angela and I love playing this game. Uh, I'll find something of hers on the bathroom counter, or the kitchen counter, and I'll, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy, so I'll put it away for her. And um, she doesn't know, I don't know where she keeps her stuff. And, and so then she has to go try to find it. It's a fun game. Uh, we, we, play that, we play that one often. Uh, one of the ones that I really like, she has this little glass she keeps by her bedside for water in the morning. And so I'll, I'll find that and I'll go hide it in the dishwasher and something else, she'll never find it. So uh, we play that game. And then, I don't know if you know this, but you can play hide and seek by yourself, you know, as an adult. Uh, you can uh, take some important piece of mail or your phone or other important item and just put it down and go do something else for 15 minutes and then try to find it, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty fun game that we get to enjoy as older adults sometimes. Uh, but, you know, really, when, when you're looking for something, when you go looking um, for something, uh, a lot of times you'll find it. You know, if you, if you take some time, uh, you know, as your parents used to say, you got to retrace your steps and maybe bring in a friend to help you look. Uh, eventually, you're, you're probably going to find what you're looking for. And that's true when it comes to hide and seek. And it's also true when it comes to spiritual things. 
uh, when it comes to God. A lot of times when you're looking for what God is doing in your life or the world around you, if you're really looking for that, uh, you're going to find what you're looking for. When you take the time to um, retrace your steps, when you take the time to slow down and to look, uh, you're going to find God. That's one of the, the amazing uh, truths about Christmas. What you look for, you will find. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God came to earth, that he put on flesh, uh, you know, uh, came into this little town of Bethlehem and, and Israel, was born to Mary and, and his adopted dad, Joseph, you know, and, and Jesus came and he is God incarnate, which means that he's with skin on, he's in the flesh, incarnate, you know, that, that God put on skin and came down to earth. And he arrived on this planet. And because of that, we're able to find God. We're able to experience him in our everyday lives. We can encounter him as we're uh, living our ordinary everyday lives. Jesus came so that we might have hope and peace and joy and love. These are the things that we talk about at Christmas. Jesus came to reveal those things to us. The light of the world has come and he's changing me. He's changing you. He's changing this world and at Christmas, we want to focus in on those four words, hope and peace and joy and love. That's what Christmas is about, Jesus coming to bring those things to us. And how you experience those things this Christmas um, really will increase when you slow down. If you take time to, to breathe and to listen and to seek after them, I want to encourage you this season to remember these simple truths of Christmas and experience that simple joy of Christmas because our, our lives are so busy. Our lives are complex and moving. There's always something more to do. This Christmas, if you look for hope, you will find it. What you look for, you will find. If you look for peace, if you look for joy, if you look for love, you'll find those things as you look for them. And I can say that with confidence because Jesus invited us to look, to seek, and to ask. He says in, in Matthew 7, keep asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. We're invited to play, to pursue God, to go after him, to look for him, to ask for him, to seek after him. And then Jesus talks about gifts that we give. And uh, it's great to kind of talk about that as we're beginning the Christmas season. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says, we're, as sinful people, we still want to give good things to our kids. I'm a mess you know, you're a mess, but we still know that we want to give things to our kids that will bring them joy and happiness and encouragement, the things that they need in life. If we can do that with who we are, how much more can our perfect heavenly Father come into our lives, come alongside us, provide what is needed every day? Keep on seeking and you will find. God is not hidden from us, even though there's times when it feels like he's hidden. He is not hidden from us. He's here right now, right in this place. He has the hope that you're looking for, the peace that you're seeking, the joy and love that, that you're asking him to reveal in your life. About 2,000 years ago, a man named Paul was uh, before a bunch of Greek philosophers in Athens, and they were asking him to, to share with, with them what he knew about God. And so he began to talk about the one true God, the one who created it all, 
the triune God and how he placed people in different neighborhoods and towns at different seasons of life, and he did it on purpose. And then he said in, in Acts 17, he said, God did this. He placed people right where they are. He did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Paul is saying that God wants us to seek after him, to look for him, to explore our neighborhoods and the places where we work and the schools where we go, to to look for God at work in the lives of other people around us, to hunt for him, to find him, because he's right here, right now, working. Even he's right here, he's close by, he's on the move, he's changing things, and he's always working. So often we miss out on that because we're not looking for him. We're not seeking what he's doing. And this idea of seeking shows up almost 100 times in the New Testament. This this invitation to go on the hunt, to look for God. Jesus said, if you seek God first, if you do that as the first priority in your life, he says, everything else will come into order for you. That's quite an amazing promise if you think about it. If you seek after God first, all the other pieces of life will come together. That's what Jesus said to us. What you look for, you will find. This Christmas, if you look for hope, you will find it. In the Bible's telling of of Christmas, we're introduced to this person named Simeon in in Luke chapter 2, a chapter that many of us read during the Christmas season. And Simeon was was looking for God. He was looking for the hope that God could bring, a, a new thing that God was doing in his time and in his day, God bringing light to dark places. So Mary and Joseph have Jesus, he's born, and about 40 days later, they bring him into the temple so they can dedicate him to God. As a firstborn son, this was the Jewish way. Leviticus 12 told them how to do this. After 40 days, you bring your firstborn son to the temple to dedicate him. And 40 is an important number in the Bible. Uh, we t- we've been talking about Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. We've been talking about that this fall. Uh, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days after his birth, Mary and Joseph bring him into the temple, and they run into this guy, Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people, Israel. In the passage right before this, it tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout means he he did the right things in the right ways at the right time. He was devout. Wouldn't that be great if that described our lives, that we were at the right place at the right time doing the right things with God? That's how Simeon lived his life And he was waiting for God to set things right. He was waiting for the the shalom of God, the peace of God, to come around his people, Israel. And as he was waiting, he he came across Jesus in the temple courts there. He, He found the one he was waiting for. He was looking for hope. And the passage says that he took Jesus into his arms and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. I I see the promises you are bringing. He was looking for it, and he found it. Now, in the temple, there was probably a lot of people in the temple courts that day. Joseph and Mary would not have been the only family in that place, the only parents bringing their kid for dedication, the only person coming to bring offerings to God. There was probably a lot of people there, but Simeon was able to see what God was doing. He was looking for it. 
He was, his eyes were attentive. There's probably a lot of people that saw Mary and Joseph that day and saw the baby Jesus, but they didn't see what Simeon saw. They weren't looking for what he was looking for. 2,000 years later, here we are, we have a whole month to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Everyone kind of gets involved. We all know about it. We all talk about it. Our friends, even those who maybe don't understand what Jesus has done for them, they still understand Christmas is a different kind of thing. There's a season going on when we celebrate the birth of one person 2,000 years ago. But when Jesus came into the planet, came onto the planet, uh, he wasn't exceptional. He wasn't, he was common in many ways. Now, you might say, well, how can you say Jesus was common? I mean, he walked on water, right? He healed people. He brought dead people back from death. He, he was the son of God. But in many ways, he was hiding out. He was common in many ways. In fact, for, I would say for 30 of his 33 years on earth, uh, many people didn't see what was going on. They weren't aware that he was the son of God. He came from this little town called Nazareth, and most people didn't think anything good could come from Nazareth. Um, we don't know much about his life as a young man. We have one story when he was 12 and in the temple courts. And, and then there's this passage in Mark's story about Jesus that, that catches me and, and, and helps me see this commonness of Jesus, which actually is an encouragement to me. I don't know about you, but the fact that Jesus was a lot like us uh, is an encouragement to me because he understands our lives. He understands what we go through every day. And in the, the middle of Mark, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is out on his teaching and healing tour, and he comes back into Nazareth, comes back into his hometown, and he's teaching there. And the people begin to respond because they're, they're having a hard time putting this together. This person who's preaching with power, and yet he's Jesus, the one that they know when he was growing up in town with them. So Mark 6, verse 2, they say this, where did this man, where did Jesus get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given to him that he does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Interesting phrase. They took offense. They were offended that he was seeming to be more than what they thought he was. The NIV Study Bible, if you have one of those, it's down in the, in the notes at the bottom. It says this. The question they ask is derogatory, meaning, is he not a common worker with his hands like the rest of us? They saw no reason to believe that he was different from them, much less that he was specially anointed by God. They were saying, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the guy who helped put a new roof on my house last year? You know, didn't I buy a yoke from him last season? He's the guy that's always sanding wood, that smelly guy that's always over there in that corner of Nazareth. You know, they just knew him and they saw him as just a, a carpenter. And when he began to reveal that he was so much more, they were actually offended but Jesus was common, like me, like you, and yet God was on the move. God was at work. Even in the Old Testament, the prophets tell us that the Messiah would look pretty common to us. Isaiah 53 says that this one who would come, he, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And John, at the beginning of his gospel, write these words about Jesus. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They weren't ready for this one. They weren't looking. They weren't observing. Jesus came. He was born in this stable to this young teenage girl and the town carpenter placed on this hay and, and wrapped in some strips of cloth. The Messiah, the God in the flesh. It feels a little bit like God was playing hide and seek with us. That we had to go looking for him if we were going to see him. God doesn't often shout. He's not loud or in our face. Most of the time, he doesn't 
grab for our attention. He's not needy that way, but many times we have to go looking for him. And if you're looking, if, if you look for God, he's going to show up and he's going to bring that hope that only he can bring. This Christmas, if you look for hope, you will find it. And, and we need hope in our lives. Hope is a great motivator for us. It, it allows us to see God. Without hope, we can't see God. Without hope, we, we can't be light in dark places. Without hope, we cannot survive. Hope can cause us to move when God calls us to move. It can cause us to, to pack up our family and move across the country. It can cause us to create a new relationship with a neighbor that we don't know yet. It can invite us into new things where God is, is changing us and stretching us. Hope can draw us out and move us into uncomfortable places. We, we need hope in our lives. This Christmas, if you're looking for hope, you're going to find it. And I said that, that God isn't often loud or he doesn't make big noises to get our attention, but there are times when he has done that. We see it in the Christmas story. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to see a time when God was loud and got in the face of some shepherds. And Luke 2 is often a passage that we read during the Christmas season. Mary and Joseph have the baby Jesus, and they've got him in this stable in the manger. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we read about the shepherds outside Bethlehem. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. When God gets in your face, a lot of times in Scripture we see people are afraid and respond with terror and fear. In verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. An angel choir, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty hard to miss, right? You don't have to go searching for that one when angelic beings fill the sky and start singing out. God's not hiding out that much. He's really showing himself. And, and did you notice that before they started to sing, the angel of the Lord said, God is giving you a sign. You will find a baby. And I'm thinking, man, I think those angels would have been a pretty good sign for me. But they said, there's actually something even greater. There's a baby that was born. It's, it, Jesus in the, ba in the manger there is, is really our third kind of visible sign of of the Jesus story here playing out where God shows up in a special way. I think about Zechariah and how he lost his ability to speak before John the Baptist was born. That was a sign for the people. Mary, a virgin becoming pregnant, that was a sign that God was doing something special. And now this baby is born. And the, the angels come and say, hey, come and, and see this one. Come and meet the one that was born. And the shepherds say, well, let's go. Let's go and see what has happened. So they go and they, they see. They seek and they find. If you want to find hope this Advent season, it's going to take some action on our part. It's going to, we're going to have to get involved in it. We're going to have to go looking. We're going to have to take some action. 
We're going to have to step back maybe from the rush of the season, all the busyness of the Christmas season, all the shopping and hurrying and traveling and preparing. Sometimes we're going to have to pause, just turn to the side and and seek God and, and invite him to show himself to us in a different way. Turn our attention from all the other things that are clamoring for our focus and invite God to reveal himself to us, to look for the hope that he offers us, to, to go and see. Remember Paul when he was in Athens, he said, God is not far off from any of us. And if that's true, then experiencing the hope that God wants to bring to us is as simple as, as slowing down and taking time and sitting in his presence and, and looking with a different set of eyes. Paul would write in another letter in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, he would say, so we don't spend all our time looking at what we can see. Instead, we look at what we can't see. What can be seen lasts only a short time, but what can't be seen will last forever. We look at what we can't see. That statement doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) How do you look at something that you can't see? It's, It's a paradox. It doesn't add up. It's like jumbo shrimp. Or a waking dream, right? It's like, uh, it's like country music. It doesn't make sense. It's a paradox. Look at what you can't see, is what Paul says to us. Well, how do you do that? What Paul is saying is that there's physical sight. There's things we can see physically. But then there's also spiritual sight. There's a way of looking with the eyes of your heart. Instead of looking with your physical eyes, looking with the eyes of your heart. And it takes faith to pay attention to those kinds of things. There's much more going on around us than what we can see with our eyes. And Hebrews 11 would say, uh, the writer writes these words, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Certain of what we do not see. So when we look with our faith, we look with our hearts, we might encounter God in powerful ways. So find that simple hope this Christmas, the hope of God moving into our neighborhood, the hope of of life that is more than what you see, more than what you've got in your pocket or in your checkbook or the gifts under the tree, so much more than these physical things. Seek and find Jesus this Christmas. And to do that, again, you're going to have to maybe change things up a little bit. I want to encourage you, uh, either individually or as a family, think about how you can take time during this Christmas season to slow down to pause and to look for what God is doing. Maybe you can say, like, I'm going to take an hour a week and I'm going to do something that's different, something that might help me see with my spiritual eyes what God is doing in the world around me. Cut, you know, create some time. You may have to say no to something. You may have to shift some things around, but I want to encourage you to do that. Let me give you just a couple ways that maybe you can see God with your spiritual eyes this season during that that time you're going to create each week. Uh, Maybe you can listen to music that speaks of the amazing love of God. Uh, now it's legal to listen to Christmas music. I don't know if you knew that, but on Friday it became legal. So uh, maybe you want to listen to some Christmas music that speaks to the gift of God's love in our lives. Listen to music that will inspire you. Go for a walk and look for what God is doing in creation around you. Look for the beauty of God in in his created world. Talk with God, maybe even out loud, and, and expect that he might say something back to you, an impression he would put on your heart, or some words he might speak through through the scriptures, through the, the word of God. Sit with a friend and, and ask them where they're seeing God moving in their lives. Let the story of their experience of God encourage you and strengthen your faith. Uh, go help someone who has a need. Uh, Jesus said when you help uh, a person, you're, you're helping him. When you serve someone else, you're serving him. Jesus is there 
when you are serving others. So go and, and serve someone this season. Read a book that helps you explore uh, the power of God revealed through Jesus, a book that will inspire you and, and help you see hope. Uh, write a thank you letter to God. Our hearts of gratitude can really help us engage in the hope that God has for us. So maybe write, just go to the store, find a thank you note, and write a note to God that expresses your thanks to him. God is not hiding. He, he is right here with us. He is ready to reveal himself through Jesus, through, through the scriptures, through our experience together, through the transformation that he's bringing in each one of our lives. If you are looking for him, you will find him. This Christmas, if you're looking for hope, you're going to find hope. God's not going to grab your attention, but he's, going to sh he's showing up every day. You just have to turn to the side. You have to slow down and pause and look for what he's doing. I want to encourage you to do that. Let's do that right now. Let's take just a minute to sit and, and to, to seek after God, to, to look with our spiritual eyes, to invite him to speak to us. I want to invite the, the worship team to come back up, and they're going to lead us in a song. But before they do that, let's just pause for a moment and, and be still with God and, and invite him to speak to us. Father, in this moment, we listen for your voice. We listen for your hope. Would you speak to us right now? Father God, we thank you for the hope that Jesus reveals to us. I pray especially for those that are feeling hopeless this morning. Those who have lost a loved one. Those who have a relationship that's being pulled apart. Those that are looking for work or focus or even just purpose in this life, Lord. I thank you that you sent Jesus to earth that we might know your great love for us. Jesus, that you would give yourself for us. Humble yourself, put on flesh, step into time and place. Help us to see what it looks like to walk with our Father God. And Jesus, you died on the cross and came back to life that, that we might experience a different kind of life a life of hope. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to see with our spiritual eyes, to see with eyes of faith that you are working right now. No matter what we are facing, you are with us. You have a way through. You have the resources that we need. You have the community that we need. You offer us the life that you created us for. This Christmas, Father, help us to see and experience your hope because of Jesus. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen.